right. I think we are let's make sure we can all right hello All right. Hello, everybody. This is Spencer Michaud, and uh, we are going to be live streaming and talking about the full moon in Virgo today. So I just want to welcome everyone who is stopping by. Let me know if you are, uh, where you're from. What, uh, if you're here today, leave me a little hello in the chat box. And that is always a great way for me to see that you're here and um, I'll try to answer some questions today uh, when we are going over the full moon. I've got some, some myth to talk about, some fixed stars. We're going to talk about dragons today. We're going to talk about um, maybe a little bit about the labyrinth again and some David Bowie. Uh, hello, hello, Taria. I, I think I've got that right now, Taria. I think uh, <laughs> I'm trying to roll my R's. Taria Harris from Finland. Uh, hello, Carly from out from California. Appreciate you all joining me here today. Um, just remember, everyone, I do have a 20 second delay on the video here. So when I, I will see your questions about 20 seconds after you put it in there. So we will uh, we'll do the best that we can with that. But uh, we got just people rolling in from across the globe. It's super exciting. I really had a nice time doing this the last time at the new moon in Aquarius. And I am very curious to hear um, how you all are doing since the last new moon. Um, we had a pretty intense new moon on February the 11th, 2021 uh, at 23 degrees of Aquarius. And um, that was a new moon that was uh, talking about shedding our old skin, about uh, leaving the past behind and finally moving on to some new experience that that new moon was about what are we going to take with us on the journey ahead into the unknown and what are we going to leave to the to the past. Um, so th this is something I wanted to kind of check in with you. What, what have you all been in the process of leaving behind? Maybe it's a belief system. Maybe it's an old narrative about your life. And uh, how is that uh, infusing your life with meaning now? Because this this uh, full moon is kind of about the search for meaning and how we're going to put that meaning into physical form. So uh, yeah, just leave me a comment in the chat box. Let me know where you're coming from and how you're doing with this, this lunar cycle. Our, our actual full moon is going to be on the 27th, which is tomorrow at 3.17 Eastern time in the morning. So very early in the morning. Uh, if you are on the Eastern Standard Time Zone like I am. But of course, we've got people coming from Pacific Time. We've got people coming from Finland Time, which I, I realize now is not five hours ahead. It's seven hours ahead. So, so thank you, uh, all you folks from Finland that, that uh, are fans of the show um, for staying up late with me today. 
um, it's it's so nice to to be able to see uh, your your comments and uh, be here with you. Um, a couple of things I wanted to let you know about if you are just catching up with comings and goings on the channel here. Uh, I did recently do a webinar on the fixed stars uh, for a, an astrology group called Astrology Victoria. And that was a lot of fun. I, I uh, put a lot of hours into my lecture and had a really nice experience, a nice Q&A um, with the folks over there. And I decided to post that on my site. Uh, and so that is uh, on YouTube right now and on my webpage, if you want to go find that. Um, and I've been, one of the things I wanted to kind of go over today was a lot of the themes, I think, of this full moon, I think, have to do with our vision versus the, the material laws that, that rule that vision or the material manifestation of it. So one thing that I've been balancing out as we come towards this Virgo moon here is I, I have a second house uh, Virgo stellium and the sun is in my eighth house right now balancing out resources, right? So another thing I wanted to announce that I thought was kind of exciting is that I did just recently start a new support page. It's called Buy Me a Coffee. Now, buymeacoffee.com is, is sort of like Patreon, but you can, instead of committing to like a monthly fee, I mean, you can do that if you want to. Um, I won't say no to that, but, uh, but anyway, if you, if you want to just give like a little tip and buy me a coffee for the work that I do, I've been really wrestling a lot with how to distribute my work and, and in a way that's in alignment with my integrity. I, I actually had a Patreon page that was all set up and it had all these like perks for people. And it had all these like kind of exclusive things. And, and I thought about it. I meditated on it. And I was like, you know, I don't want my information to be exclusive for only a select few that can afford to, to pay me for it. So what I've decided to do is, is, you know, kind of just post almost everything that I do. And by, by using this buy me a coffee site, if you like the work that I do and you're, con you're consuming the content and it has value for you, then every once in a while, just pretend like we're going out on a coffee shop together. We keep it kind of casual here. It's buy me a coffee. We can, we can shoot the poop over a coffee or a tea or like, uh, you know, a, a, a smoothie, Taria likes to say, right? I, I think that's probably more appropriate for me. I don't really drink coffee, although I did drink a lot of herba mate for my presentation of the fixed stars. That was what got me through that presentation. Um, but I do like to make smoothies in the morning and, and there's a lot of superfoods in there. They're very expensive. So if you want to buy me a, a smoothie, that, that works out too. But the main point is that I, I want to keep my material available to the most amount of people possible because I do think that information, this isn't just coming from me. I am a channel for this information and, and I want to be an open channel for the flow to come through me. And we're going to see themes of this at this full moon. This full moon is at eight degrees of Virgo. And eight degrees of Virgo is very close to a fixed star called Thuban. Okay, so if we kind of go over to our, hi, Jennifer. Uh, thank you for joining. I'll, I'll, every once in a while, I'll stop and say hi to you folks that are kind of stopping in here. I've been talking about buymeacoffee.com, which is a, uh, a way to support the work that I do. And uh, it's just kind of a little donation thing. Um, and like I said, it's, I found that it's in alignment with my integrity of not putting my work behind a paywall. 
and not making my work this exclusive thing. I want my work to be available to everyone. And that's why I do things like these live streams so we can have this type of interaction and whatnot. But getting back to Thuban, because I think this is really uh, something that will help us to unpack this full moon is Thuban is a fixed star that is in the constellation Draco. And Draco is the dragon that guards the pole. or So it is one of the creatures of the pole. And actually what I want to do, I'm going to, you can see here, here's the full moon. And we'll just look at kind of what's going on in the sky. And then we'll head over to Draco for a second. You can see that this full moon tomorrow morning is going to be hosted by Mercury. So Mercury is the host of the moon, right? So it's going to be drawing significations from a Mercury that's hanging out in the second decan of Aquarius, where we're trying to communicate between the divine and the physical world and trying to bring some of our ideas down to earth and and um, decide what, what is going to, how we're going to manifest our integrity on the material plane. And we also have the sun that's being hosted by Jupiter in the same decan. So this is really a, a full moon where we're trying to balance out mercurial tendencies. That's not a very nice Mercury and Jupiter, but, and Jupiterian values. Okay, so we are questioning things with Mercury, with the moon in this position, and we are trying to confirm things and bring them into order with Jupiter. Jupiter is like someone who is kind of bringing, is like a demiurge that's bringing things into existence and trying to create universal order. So we've got the, this kind of tension right now with we're trying to find meaning through the sun's journey through the first decan of Pisces. Okay, where we are going off into the distance, we've got the, uh, the eight of cups that we're looking at here, right? Where a figure is leaving behind these cups and going off into the wilderness to find some sort of meaning. He's leaving material success behind. And this is, uh, you know, contrasted by the moon being in the first decade of Virgo, where, which, where we see the eight of pentacles an apprentice, perhaps of an advanced age, who is laboring at his craft and trying to bring something into material form. So really the tension, and at oppositions, we always have some kind of tension that we're experiencing, right? An opposition is a tension point, sort of like Saturn. They were of the nature of Saturn. Uh, but we're not necessarily trying to blend them together. We're trying to kind of create an equilibrium. Remember Saturn? was the planet of Nemesis, Nemesis being the goddess that helped restore right proportion. So here we're trying to create an equilibrium by figuring out what to add, how, what to release. You know, like, like Virgo, we are in the harvest season of the, of the harvest cycle of this particular lunation. So what we're doing is we are trying to figure out what part of our vision which is very expansive. Jupiter is expansive. Our imaginations are almost unlimited, right? Which parts of that are we going to be able to manifest into material form and use our skill set, okay, like Mercury, to become a translator, also a signification of Mercury, a translator for that spirit into form and into matter. And there will be some parts of the journey that we have to come to terms with that aren't necessarily possible uh, to manifest. 
Um, there are certain laws and limitations that we have on this material plane that we have to work within. One of the deities of Virgo one, the daimon associated with the first decan of Virgo was called Themis. And Themis was a, was a Titaness, okay? This was like, we had Olympian gods and we had Titans and they were sort of at war with one another in Greek mythology. But Titans were like primordial beings that helped kind of create the world. And Themis was this Titaness who was the observer of divine law. So she was a prophetic goddess that was associated with the, the oracle at Delphi. So she was kind of like the voice that the oracle was listening to, uh, like the voice of the earth. They said it was kind of the voice of Gaia uh, and Gaia being another one of the um, translators of divine law. So I think that Themis uh, was, a, was the daughter of Gaia. So she was a successor of Gaia. She was the daughter of Uranus and Gaia, the, the sky and the earth. And she was also considered a wise advisor to uh, Zeus, uh, the king. So this is kind of like, um, we are trying to think about what kind of customs, what kind of laws, what kind of divine voice are we going to listen to when we are trying to manifest. Uh, she was associated with justice, morality, hospitality, correct conduct, piety, like ritual was another uh, thing that she was associated with. So what kind of rituals are we going to experience or enact to be able to bring our spiritual vision and ground it down on the earth, sort of like the nuthatch that I've been talking with my friend Susanna about a bird that climbs down trees. So they, it's, it, it's uh, visiting the realms of spirit and trying to bring those down to this physical plane, much like souls descended through the celestial spheres in the, uh, in the Hermetica to become, to become born on this material plane. Okay. Uh, Thetis was also the mother of the Horai, the seasons, and the Morai, the fates. Um, so we have this kind of association with the spinning of time and, and to everything there is a season. I was uh, recently participating with my friend CV Henriette, who has a, a, a live stream that she does on Fridays. And she was talking about there being a season for everything. And we were talking about that, that song by the birds, to everything there is a season, turn, turn, turn. And how, um, you know, in Western culture, we tend to want to always be taking action all the time. Always unlimited growth is sort of this kind of mantra that we're being fed. And it's really being fed to us through uh, the glorification of capitalism and things like that. Not to say that capitalism as a whole is necessarily bad. It just is a, it has kind of gotten a little bit excessive, especially here in the, in America. And one of the things we're seeing is we're seeing the exhaustion of our resources of the earth's capacity to handle those things because we haven't really been following divine law. We've been following the law of man or of humanity, I should say. We've been following the law of uh, greed on some level as well. And this is a theme that comes up with with celestial dragons. Um, some of the themes of Thuban speak to uh, trying to let abundance flow through you rather than, than hoarding that wealth. Um, one really interesting kind of synchronicity is as I'm thinking about this today, 
my daughter and I have been watching kind of the Lord of the Rings series, and we just started the Hobbit trilogy. And we're, uh, as of today, we're right in the middle of the second Hobbit movie called The Desolation of Smaug, uh, who was the dragon under the mountain, who was hoarding the great wealth. And a lot of the themes in that movie speak to uh, potentially the overzealous uh, greed of the dwarves who, who, who maybe dug too deeply into the mountain and hoarded too much wealth and eventually brought to themselves this great dragon that was uh, attracted to all of that wealth and uh, brought, brought a lot of destruction. So dragons can be thought of as, as things where we can, uh, they could be guarding a great treasure. They can be thought of as creatures that are potentially falling prey to greed. Now let's go over to um, our star chart a second here. Just before I, I snap away from this chart, we can see that Uranus is in a very tight sextile to the sun and in a tight trine to the moon. So that is a part of our story. And Uranus is in the first decade of um, Taurus, which is associated with the five of pentacles, which is, there's a lot of themes in this, uh, in this particular decade about fear of poverty, fear of not having enough. So through maybe our fear, we may be you know, inspired to, to hoard a little bit. And one of the lessons of this as we move forward is that we need to open ourselves to receive. You can see that Venus is very close to the sun in her exaltation in Pisces. So if we just allow ourselves to receive, um, I think that it is, we are more likely to create success. So I want to show you on the star chart here. You guys doing all right? Everybody doing all right in there? Hello, uh, Difna, Adriana. Yes, hello. Hello to you. Thank you to you for being here today. So what we're looking at over here is in our star chart is here is the sun hanging out in tropical Pisces. Remember, because of precession, we do have the sun appearing to be on the backdrop uh, over the backdrop of the stars of Aquarius, but those two zodiacs have separated over time, the constellational or the sidereal and the tropical zodiac. And here's Venus. So Venus is hanging out here, very close to the sun. And what I wanted to show you is we are looking south here from my position here in around Ann Arbor, Michigan. And as I look to the north, now, I don't want to you know, get you too topsy-turvy, but think about this is what is going to be under the earth right now, the, the north. Think of this as the fourth house or the, or the IC in a natal chart. If the south is the midheaven, this is the IC. Here we have these circumpolar constellations. Here's the pole star, Polaris. And what I want to show you is over the course of many days, these stars do not rise and set. You see how they're just spinning around the pole? Okay. So they thought of this as a place of immortality. Okay. These stars didn't necessarily uh, rise from the underworld or whatnot. So watch what happens when we do the same thing near the ecliptic. Okay. All of these stars are going to be rising and setting over the course of a day. See that? All right. Ooh, cool. We've got another another person joining us from Ipsy. Hello, fellow Ipsy friend. Okay. 
So what I'm demonstrating now is that we are seeing, um, I'm trying to demonstrate that some of these constellations rise and set over the course of a day. And that we do have this area in the, in the north near the pole, the celestial north pole, where these stars aren't going to be rising and setting. This was said to be the land of the immortals, right? Because they would just appear. When the sun went down, they would just appear out of thin air. It's, and they weren't moving. They were immovable. That's why we have like the pole star being a guide to uh, like sailors for navigation because it's consistent. They can count on it. Now, Thuban is a star right here. Let's see. No, there's, let's see. Where's Thuban? Close to this. It's fine. There's Thuban. Okay, sorry. All right. So Thuban is a star in the tail of the dragon here. And if we project from the ecliptic, this is projected ecliptical degree. So we're going to project the ecliptic all the way up to the pole. Uh, this full moon will be in alignment with this star. And here we see Draco the dragon. So roughly 2,000 years ago or so, two to 3,000 years ago, um, Thuban, this star, was in the pole where Polaris is. So this was the thing that everything revolved around. They said that Thuban was this great dragon guarding, uh, some folks thought that it was the, the serpent that was guarding the Garden of Eden. Um, some folks thought it was guarding eternity or the heavens themselves. So we have this great gift that this dragon is guarding. And I think that one of the ways that we can bring this down to earth is we all potentially have some great gift that we can share with the world. And I, I think, and you tell me in the chat box if this is true, that many of us have been trying to figure out what is our great spiritual gift? What do we have to offer to the world? How do we find meaning? And there are all of these kind of back and forths about, well, I have this to offer, but uh, am I going to hoard it or am I going to let it flow freely through me? And this is something that I've really wrestled with as a person that has the planet Jupiter on the fixed star Thuban in my second house, along with the two malefics at the end of Virgo. So resources and money have been a, a real st a story of my life that I've had to, to wrestle with. Um, for those of you that weren't at my webinar, I, I don't know if I told this story on there, but when I was a young person, I had a grandparent that owned a company and they inherited that company from their uh, immigrant father who worked very hard to create it. So you can imagine that when someone is kind of the child of the hard worker, they may uh, not understand the hard work that went into it and may have been a little spoiled. And through that uh, kind of approach, they basically ran the company into the ground. And it was a family business. So many of my family members went to work for my grandfather. And it kind of tore the whole family apart. Uh, there was a lot of greed. There was a lot of hoarding. There was a lot of argument over who, what belonged to who. And as a young person, I, that was a, a narrative, a story that I absorbed that, you know, and, and I'm not saying that this is true, but in my young mind, I rejected, okay, the two malefics in the second house, I rejected money altogether. I said, money is evil. That was the, the narrative that I have. Money will make you, if you make money, 
it'll make your, it will tear your family apart. Right. And that was something that I carried with me for a long time. And, and this kind of idea that to pursue wealth is not spiritual. And I, I think that to pursue wealth greedily is not in alignment with spirit, but I do think that there are certain things when we're trying to create balance, remember it's a balance point that we're trying to weigh as we move through this, you know, physical life. Um, and I think that as I've grown older, I've gone both ways where I've hoarded my knowledge and I've hoarded my resources and said, oh, I, I, I don't have very much, so I have to hoard it. And then I've gone the opposite direction where I've just given everything away without any thought of any return, where it was an imbalance of energy in that regard. And now I think with this full moon, it's interesting because um, I decided, like I said, I decided to give away my webinar and, and to kind of continue to do that, um, but also to open up a small aperture for energy to come back, to, to be able to receive. And you can see that with Venus very close to the sun. So in your own life, how can you, first of all, how can you become uh, generous with your gifts? How can you learn to, that you, you don't need to hoard energy? You don't need to hoard your resources or your gifts. You can freely give of it. But, uh, but on the flip side, how can you open an aperture and allow yourself to receive energy as well so that you don't become exhausted? Like, why do we need money on this physical plane, right? This is a, a conversation that we have. Well, well, we need to buy food. That's, that's how we've agreed that we exchange value. Now, there are many ways to, to exchange value and to feel wealthy. It could be an exchange of our time. It could be like a barter economy. It could be an exchange of uh, books. It could be a chain exchange of wisdom. It could be an exchange of our time. All of these things have value. It's not just money. Money is just a convenient way to exchange things, uh, to, to exchange for other things. So like the way that I came to a balance point is I just opened a little aperture to be able to receive that is in alignment with my integrity. And that came from letting go of some of the old narratives of, oh, maybe I'm not worthy of money. Oh, maybe I'm not worthy of an even exchange. I need to be a martyr or a self-sacrificial martyr for what I'm doing. Oh, if I receive money, I'm a bad person. And, and I think that a lot of that narrative was part of the, the old story that I decided or that I worked hard, where it's work, that I was making a, a practice of leaving behind for, at that new moon because it wasn't serving me, right? Uh, and we have a nice comment here. Uh, DSE says, money, like everything else, is energy. She says, you are not alone, Spencer. This is a change in society that has me thinking, what is a need and what is a want? And how do I make a living with more integrity? Yeah, yes, perfect right? How do we all make a living with more integrity? And I think we're seeing this as a shift from the, the earth age to the air age. And I say that in regards to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions, they're called the great conjunctions that happen roughly every 20 to 30 years, but they happen in a new element every two to 300 years, okay? So this is something where we're, we're experiencing a shift in the values of society, 
from one where we had to have some material consolidated type of thing to one that's a little bit more amorphous. And we are really trying to figure out, especially with like the internet, things like intellectual property. And this is something I've thought of a lot. I've meditate on, meditated on this a lot. We've had some things in the astrological community re recently about plagiarism and people taking people's articles and, and copying it and taking credit for it. Now, when I'm talking about freely sharing my work, that I, I don't mean that people should just take it, claim it as their own, and just distribute it and try to profit from it. But, but I do think that we have, uh, we are all drawing on similar source. And just as I, I, Spencer, the ego, Spencer, am not the ultimate source of this wisdom, then I can't be somebody who is saying, I own this knowledge. And, and I think that that is what's really informing the way that I'm approaching my business now is I am a channel for this. And I want the most people possible to have access to it, right? And I, so I would highly recommend a movie for all of you. This is something I watched when I was a music teacher. And it's, it's, it's a little bit dated now. It's from like maybe 10 years ago. Um, a lot has changed since then, but it's called uh, RIP, RIP, Remix, A Manifesto. And it's about uh, copyright law and creative commons copyright. And a lot of these themes, they talk about culture and how culture is spread and how the difference between a rivalrous good and a non-rivalrous good. This is something that, that I have a friend who is very progressive in, in his thinking and has really been giving me some great advice. There was a creator out there named Nina Paley who would release all of her movies and art. She's a wonderful artist. She, she was the creator of the movie Sita Sings the Blues, which is an awesome uh, movie that I recommend that you check out. And her argument is that when we freely share these, these non-rivalrous goods, the thing that if you create it, if more people consume it, like this content that we're creating here today, that means that, that no one is going to, it's not going to, A, it's not going to cost me anything for you to consume it. It's not going to take away from anyone else's experience if more people watch it. In fact, it may actually gain value the more people that watch it, as opposed to something like a rivalrous good, which costs money to make like a t-shirt, like a CD, like a physical good, or like a class where people can only ask, uh, only a certain amount of people have access to my attention to ask a question. So that's why like in, in the case of a class, you could charge money for a class because you are, there's only so much of the teacher's attention to go around. And like in a reading, you, you, that becomes more valuable with the energy exchange between those two people. And if there were more people involved in that, it would take away from the value rather than add to it. But when it comes to like articles, intellectual property, I think that it's really as creators, I think we may be really doing ourselves a disservice with all these membership services, with all these paywalls. I really have a distaste for paywalls because we're hiding away that knowledge that wants to spread. And I will tell you, every time that I have been free about giving my knowledge away, it has come back to me tenfold. When I have released my grip on 
possessing that, it has always come back to me. And like, I saw this with my webinar, like, yeah, if you want to support the work that I do, people, there was a suggested donation. And, and if, you know, when people have more to give, you know, you can make up for the other people that don't, that's, that's equality, right? That's really, that's real justice. If you are blessed and fortunate to have more than your fellow person, you are actually buying them the gift of this knowledge because you're helping the creator to have time. You're buying the gift of time for somebody to do the research, to buy the books that they need to read, to do this, to be able to, to keep the lights on so that material reality doesn't encroach upon the oracular space. So really when you're contributing to these creators, you are contributing to their ability to, to engage with oracular space, okay? And, and I, I went through a process. It's, it, it is a little bit different for everybody. I think that there's a lot of different ways to do things. Some people prefer things like Patreon and like they like having like a little kind of like a clubhouse type of experience. It just, for me, that that, that just didn't work. I, I, I don't want my work to be inaccessible to anybody. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I thought that that was a really good way of thinking about this particular full moon because we are all trying to figure out how we are supposed to be, uh, you know, exchanging energy in this, um, you know, new mindset that we all have, where we are trying to bring more uh, equality to the, I don't know, the people that have been cast aside on the fringe. We have a really imbalanced wealth system right now with a very tiny amount of people consolidating the wealth at the at the top of the i guess the food chain you could say and we have all these other people that are starving and suffering and we also have uh, all these different corporations and businesses that have kind of ravaged mother earth to the point where we're seeing extremes in our weather changing and our in in like the pollution that we see on the earth we have a sick a sick earth right now that is trying to heal itself. And we have to start thinking differently about our means of exchange if we want to heal this organism that we are a part of, if we want to heal ourselves. You know, we are part of that organism. We are part of that cosmic soul. And if we want to do things in a balanced way, we have to be not this hoarding dragon, we have to be this, this fountain of vitality that understands that by we, we aren't necessarily going to take away from someone else if we are giving freely of ourselves, right? We, we're not going to, like, by, by being open, we are allowing that omnipotent energy to keep providing. We're allowing the flow to continue to move. It's just like, think of it like a river. Money and energy and all these things are like a river. If you put a dam on it, it can it can back up. Everything uh, on the other side of the dam starts to dry up and it isn't really working anymore. Yeah, you've got this consolidated thing, but eventually that dam is going to break and it's going to create destruction. And if we keep this water flowing, maybe not like a big like waterfall, maybe it's a slow trickle. We we keep the health and the vitality of the of the water system going. And that's how we have to think about our, our energy too. If we don't try to do too much, if we just stay humble, 
if we only do what is appropriate for the season and the energy that we have um, and the capacity that we have, that's going to really lead to a successful, sustainable future rather than one that is, that is really based on short-term thinking, okay? Again, we go back to the, the Hobbit and Smaug, right? The, way, the, the reason that that dragon was attracted to that mountain and created that destruction is that the dwarves became hoarders. They became greedy. And that dragon was attracted to all that wealth and said, now this is mine. And he, all of that wealth that they had consolidated became completely inaccessible because there was now this creature that was guarding it. So I think we can see those themes play out in our own life too, is when we get too fixated on ownership, then we start to create that kind of our own inner dragons that are creating destruction, you know, instead of the, the dragons that are guardians of an immortal, unlimited force, okay? All right, so I'm going to go back to our chart here, and I want to talk about a few more things. Does anybody have questions on that? Do we have any questions so far? Thank you for your comments in the chat box here. I really enjoy this interaction. We've got some really nice thoughts and comments coming. Um, I really appreciate all of you being here. Uh, this is an exciting type of experience here. Um, so we're looking at this chart here. And we are looking at the full moon, but I did want to talk about kind of the in-between phases uh, between the cycle of the full moon and the upcoming new moon. And I did want to talk a little bit about a hexagram that I pulled from the I Ching. So yes, we have the full moon here on the 27th tomorrow. And we do have this close conjunction with Uranus. And again, this is about doing something new right? Like my, my buy me a coffee site is a new thing that hopefully will be the aperture to help me continue to a be able, be able to make my stuff accessible for people, but also allow myself to receive in a way that can sustain the work that I do. So, so shameless plug, if you really are enjoying these, these videos and this content, why not buy me a coffee? You know, there, there's a link in the description of the video or a, uh, a smoothie or the gift of time. That's really what I value the most. You're buying me the gift of time. But again, with Uranus, we have to break down our old ideas about how we are going to manage physical resources. So tell me in the chat box, are you any of you having a similar experience? Have you, have you really had to rethink your role in society you know, your role in how you make a living. I know a lot of people have been out of work from COVID and, and there's been a lot of soul searching about what we're going to do next. I know for me, like I was a music teacher at the beginning of COVID and uh, some of that went away, you know, and it's, it's, I've had to learn how to transition to maybe doing this astrology thing full time. And that's been a, there's been some sleepless nights with that, but it's also been uh, invigorating and, um, but I want to know how you are managing those things out there. Leave, leave a comment if you're watching this after the fact as well. Okay. The other thing that we are seeing in this full moon is we have Mars that just has separated from a trine to Pluto. 
So we may have been bringing up some things from the underworld, okay, that really we're speaking to our, uh, maybe some of the shadow energies about what we believe about physical reality. Remember in the beginning, I said I, I had a, a, a sort of a toxic narrative from my youth that money, may, if I had money, I would be a bad person. And that's not true. Okay, that's not true. Yes, ex excess can lead to hubris and a downfall. But balanced relationship with energy and with materi materiality can lead to greater and greater uh Spirit, a greater spiritual unfolding, I think. Um, I'm, I have struggled with being a, uh, I always pronounce this word wrong, but ascetic. I, I always mix that up with aesthetics, but asceticism is where you're kind of denying yourself things. And I have this kind of, uh, you know, a lot of the times when we are going down a spiritual path, there is the path of the ascetic where we are rejecting physical reality. And I think of the story of the Buddha who grew up with wealth and grew up in a, you know, as a prince, basically. And he realized that that was not bringing him satisfaction. And then he went to meditate under the, the Bodhi tree and, and lived an ascetic life. And eventually he, he realized that that wasn't bringing him the, the satisfaction that he was looking for. Uh, and this is what led to him embracing the middle path, the middle way, the balance. I, I think that I've often learned through my spiritual journey that when I start to ignore physical reality, that's when physical reality comes back with a vengeance, a vengeance. Like I had trouble paying my bills in the past because I wasn't paying attention to my budget and I would overdraft my bank account quite often. And during my Saturn return, I had to come to terms with this because you know, by ignoring the, the influx and outflux of my material reality, I had to deal with it uh, much more in a much more extreme way because I wasn't practicing the daily habit of like inputting my transactions into a budget and keeping track of things. So I think that when we are doing this, it's all about small daily actions that can that can be this this most spiritual thing in the world, right? Like there's a reason why we manifested into these bodies. It's not to reject the bodies. It's to become, I think, uh, aware of temperance. It's so that we can infuse them with spirit. We can infuse this world with spirit. I don't consider myself somebody who is uh, living for the next life. I know that that, that is a somewhat of a popular theme amongst spiritual practitioners. I, I tend to think that we have to make the best of what we have here. And if that leads to something good the next time around, so be it. But I have, to, I have work to do here. And I have to be a person of integrity here on this plane, in this life. You know, And it's not so I can get some reward at the end of my life. It's, it's so that I can uh, manifest spirit on this dimension, right? And, and that's something that, uh, that's one of my values. And, and I, I don't know how you all feel about that. Um, it is, it is very Virgo. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, hello to Midnight Moon Astrology. Hello, Cassidy. Uh, thank you for being here today. We've got some nice comments here. 
I'll read a few comments here. It says, uh, DSE says, love to buy a coffee, absolutely going through a new reinventing of who I am, really. And going back to my core love of astrology, which I had sidetracked from. Yeah, totally. This, this pandemic has really stripped us away, uh, stripped away some of the things that, that really weren't necessary in our life and, and left us face to face with the core of who we are and having to build from that solid foundation rather than from all this other noise. Tarya says, I should have renewed my, I should have re renewed my work, but wasn't ready, even when the full moon was in my 10th place. I don't know yet what I want to offer and did not think about money at all. Yeah, that's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to think about. Um, like I said, I've gone really back and forth with a lot of it. Uh, sometimes when you think you're taking an action and in integrity, it ends up being a, a misstep. And that's okay. Sometimes we make mistakes and we have to continually be reevaluating whether the actions that we're taking are in alignment with our soul, in alignment with are effective. Okay. This is another part of this full moon in Virgo is we have this vision and we have this big expansive idealistic vision of what we might want to be doing. But again, physical reality has certain laws that we have to follow. And what we're trying to figure out and what, what we all are trying to figure out is what can we manifest and what do we have to discard? Remember, Virgo was the harvest season. What are we going to be harvesting? But what are we going to be discarding? What are we going to be saving for the future and passing on? Okay. As we move through Virgo, we, we get to a decan and the third decan of Virgo where we're leaving a legacy. So we're thinking about what are we going to pass on to history? And I, get, I started thinking about this too. I started thinking about what do, what do I want to pass on when I'm gone? Do I want to have all my talks behind some paywall so only like 10 people can see it after I'm gone? Or do I want to just, you know, everybody, you know, beyond my short time on this earth be able to benefit from that? So that was another thing that's been motivating my actions recently, right? Um, so we have another few comments. Uh, so Midnight Moon says, very, very Virgo, one step at a time, smaller actions building on each other, of course, spoken like a true Mercury in Virgo such a beautiful Mercury that you have. Jennifer says that 10th house Virgo, uh, she has 10th house Virgo, so most definitely. So yeah, so you can create, uh, you know, some of your action out in the world and build your, your either your reputation or, or your actions that are meaningful to you that are public by taking these small actions, okay? Whenever we have a 10th house or a midheaven, that can kind of show us the way to our success. Like I, I have Taurus on the midheaven, so my success can come through daily, slow building, you know, like, uh, I, sometimes I'll get frustrated because I'll see other people that shoot off like a rocket ship. And that's really not my path. My path is just to keep producing work day after day after day. And eventually that will lead to a solid foundation that's going to sustain me throughout, you know, the rest of my days and throughout whatever. Okay. All right. So what I wanted to do is I want to take you a little bit through a, a few more of the lunar cycles. So one thing I want you to notice is that as we approach March 3rd and 4th, a couple things are going to happen. On March 4th and 5th, we see the coming together of Jupiter and Mercury, the two rulers of this full moon. So this may be where we're really... Uh, 
the the vision and the ability to bring the vision into material form and the skills necessary to bring that vision into form are going to find union, right? And the other thing we're experiencing around March 5th is we are going to be seeing the uh, the last quarter moon, okay? So if we are looking at March 5th, March 6th, around this area, that's when we see the square, the closing square between the sun and the moon. All right. And just like when we had the first quarter square, when the moon was in Gemini, we had a proliferation of options, right? And we were trying to be like, which path should we follow? Now we've, you know, seen maybe kind of what kind of um, options will lead to fruit. Okay. This is, remember Austin Coppock calls the first decan of Virgo, a tree bearing fruit. Okay. So we are, we're eating the fruit of the vine now. And when we get to this last quarter, we're going to be seeing kind of like a, an externalization of that Jupiter belief system. It may be where we uh, are seeing instead of the internal vision, we may, uh, the way that we've been carrying ourselves could lead to a lot of external action. It could lead to a new goal, could lead, lead to a new mission that we're trying to achieve. And there may be some tension between our inner mission and, and the external crusade or the external quest excuse me, that we're going on, okay? There may be some old karma that we have to, to, to resolve and some old loose ends because it's going to be close to the south node in Sagittarius as well. All right, we have another comment coming through in the chat box. It says, DSE says, totally agree with you, Spencer. I just began my progressed Virgo moon in October. So definitely feeling that strong Virgo energy. I'm a Taurus sun with a Leo moon. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you've got Uranus hanging out with your sun too, uh, you know, encouraging some, a new start and shattering some old perceptions potentially and offering up a new way of doing things. Um, having that progressed Virgo moon is really probably helping you pay attention to those details. I know we've got another participant here that is going to be hitting a progressed new moon pretty soon. So that progressed moon cycle is something really to pay attention to about how your, you know, your journey is going. I'm actually in a progressed first quarter moon right now um, with the moon in Scorpio though. So that's a difficult place for the moon, but um, the, the, my progressed new moon happened uh, around 2014 or 2015. And I actually taught my first astrology class at that point, and I was feeling a real impulse to do astrology. And uh, and now we're getting to like a point where it's, you know, I'm trying to make it, I'm trying to bring it into material form. And there is a, a sort of a material crisis point with the full, with the first quarter moon phase where you're having to make extra effort and maybe a heroic effort to bring it into form. And that's kind of what I'm doing with all this right now. I'm actually thinking about a class that I'd like to offer when spring starts. So I'm kind of halfway announcing it here, but I would like to do a integrative divination course where we are uh, looking at the different decans and we are integrating things like fixed stars, integrating the I Ching um, and exploring it as a group. Um, and let me know if that's something that sounds interesting to you. I was thinking about doing just the, uh, the decans of spring for the first offering. Um, and uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, I really enjoyed making content for this webinar. And I think that, uh, you know, I'd like to do more of that. I love teaching. Teaching is a lot of fun to me. So this kind of thing with when we have interaction is really, really cool. When we can see each other face to face with these classes, like over Zoom, that's kind of nice too.
Um, so back to this last quarter moon on the fifth. So this may be bringing your hidden vision out into the world and that creating a little bit of conflict about the type of movement that you're taking out in the world. Okay. But again, this is a, a really interesting coming together of Mercury and Jupiter. So yeah. Oh, thanks, DSE. Well, it, she says that this uh, course sounds wonderful. I will definitely sign up. Thank you. I would, uh, that would be great to have all of you there. I'm really excited about, about that. And um, it will probably some, be somewhat similar to the method that I use to do my forecasts. And um, if you've watched my forecast, it's kind of a fire hose of information. And, um, but I try to bring, make it practical and try to make it useful. It's like speaking a language. Uh, we're trying to gain fluency uh, for these different symbolic systems. And I have a Venus and Gemini, so I like to try to harmonize all of these different systems into something cohesive. So if you're a mercurial person that likes to learn uh, multiple different things, uh, I, I think I'm the teacher for you because I, I like to ask the good questions. I'm not always going to tell you um, that I have it figured out, but I will direct you in the uh, in search mode, right? I think that's my approach as a teacher is, is kind of that Socratic method where we're asking the good questions. Uh, Adriana says, Virgo sun, Gemini rising, studying astrology by myself, wondering how you journal daily. Okay, that's a good question. Um, so I do this thing called morning pages daily. Uh, I um, learned this from an author, Julia Cameron, who is the author of the book, The Artist's Way. And she was a recovering alcoholic who was like a screenwriter and, and also a composer. And she does this thing where you, you write um, kind of like this brain dump every morning. And I, she recommends doing like three pages of just brain dump. And, and I did that for a while, for, for many, many years. I've kind of consolidated it down into one page. But what I do is I will, I will do some, uh, I'll try to get into some oracular space. I will pull two tarot cards for the day and one being like the vibe of the day, another being like my own approach to it. And I try to unify those two things. I will do an I Ching reading for the day to kind of just meditate on, on the I Ching. I will also write in the margins of my journal all of the aspects that are going to be happening over the course of the day, my, my aspects and the universal ones. So I am trying to integrate all of my different oracular systems with the personal reflection of a journal so that I can go and look back on an experience and say, what, what symbols did I pull for the day? And did they match with my experience? And what lesson did I learn or how did it reflect my experience? I also pull an animal for the day. So like, uh, I can remember what the animal I pulled today was. Oh man, see, see how, how tired I was this morning when I did it. Um, but like, for example, I pulled the stick insect yesterday when I was making my buy me a coffee site. And the stick insect is, a, is an animal that needs to blend into their environment. And also it spoke of, uh, I have this book, I'll show you this book that I have. And I got a nice comment the other day from uh, somebody saying that they appreciated me sharing my sources. And this is another way that I like to 
you know, not hoard knowledge is showing you where I'm getting all this stuff. Cause you know, I got it from a book. So can you, you know, so this is animal frequency by uh, Melissa Alvarez. And uh, she talks about the stick insect in this book as being someone who, who lays eggs in many different areas. And uh, you know, so that, that uh, by scattering your, resources in, in many different directions. You're not putting all your eggs in one basket, right? Um, they talked about stick insects that would lay their eggs in like a, a, an ant's nest and the ants would, would kind of eat some of the eggs, but also just bring them into their nest or whatever to, to hatch. And, uh, and then the, the stick insect could like live in, in the, in the, um, in the, the ant's nest or something like that. But that was really interesting because I was like, oh, okay, by starting this new thing, I'm putting my eggs in a different basket. I'm not putting all my eggs in my readings basket. I'm not putting all my eggs in my uh, webinar basket. I'm creating all of these different diversified ways to provide material uh, support for my spiritual journey, okay? And so that's an example of, of kind of the reflection of the oracular symbol that I pulled during the morning and being able to journal on it and then go back and reflect on it. And this is a great way to learn astrology too. It's a great way to learn these different oracular systems. Now, now I don't think that you have to pull as many symbols as I do. I, I'm a little bit extra with it. Like I probably pull five or six different symbols from different systems um, because I do think that they can communicate with one another, but that doesn't always work for everyone. Even just one symbol can, can you know, get you into that oracular space. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my method for journaling in, in the morning. And uh, that's been the way I've learned astrology too. And, and so like with the decans and the fixed stars, I would make posts that were uh, almost these daily posts where I was kind of, you know, learning when a planet went into a decan or when a planet made a fixed star contact, I would make a post about it after doing some research. And that daily practice helped it become a part of me. So that's kind of this Virgo type of like small actions add up over time. And, and that's, that's kind of the way that I operate too. So I'm, I'm glad to see that you are enjoying uh, the thought of this class. I would, I would love to have all of you there. Um, I, this has been something I've been thinking about for a while is what kind of class could I offer that would be a reflection of, of my specific method and a, a reflection of something maybe not necessarily completely unique, but something that is in alignment with um, with who I am as a person and allows me the, to to uh, share the knowledge in, in a way that is going to be a reflection of how I study. And I think that this is maybe the, the, the way, is uh, integrating these systems. Because really what we're doing is we're, we're gaining fluency as far as how we are speaking. So an oracle is an omen that is speaking. That's what the word phasis means, or like that's when, 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 when a planet came out from under the beams, okay, when it made an appearance, that was an, an, an oracle that was speaking, okay? So as uh, diviners, as interpreters, we are learning to speak that language so that we can translate the language of the stars, the language of the symbols, to people that need to hear that message because not everybody can understand these symbols. We're just, we're just translators. And the more that you study, the more ways that you have to deliver that message, 
that you can, uh, so that you can reach people where they're at. So the reason I do the forecast the way that I do is sometimes you will be able to reach people through the visual nature of the tarot. Sometimes you'll be able to reach them through the symbolism of astrology. Some people really resonate with the hexagrams of the I Ching, but you're trying to bring essence into form and into understanding for that audience. Hi, Lisa. This is a, Lisa is a good supporter of the channel here. Thank you for being here today. Good to see you. All right. So that's our last quarter moon. And I did want to briefly touch upon before we uh, wrap up today with our I Ching reading. Um, I wanted to talk about where we're heading with this lunar cycle and how we can resolve what we're doing here. So as we move forward, one thing that I did want to say before I move forward from March 5th through the 6th or so is that we do have that, that Mercury-Jupiter conjunction happening. We're also seeing Mars move into Gemini around March the 4th. So that is going to be a big shift in our energy, in our energetic thing that we're doing. We're, Mars is going to leave its exile and go into a sign that where it, it doesn't necessarily have as much difficulty manifesting some of its significations. So at, around March 4th or 5th, with Mercury and Jupiter coming together, we're going to get this almost explosion of options potentially. And we are going to have to um, choose Okay. Every, anytime we see planets move into Gemini like this, we can sometimes get overwhelmed with all these different directions. I mean, full disclosure, after I did my webinar, I, I had like three or four people book a reading uh, and I had like a, a number of like new work opportunities that came up. So by giving that away, I had it come back to me tenfold, but, but it created, you know, it created more, uh, you know, work for me to do. So like this weekend, I'm going to be really working really hard to prep for those things, but it's good. That's, that's what I want to happen, you know? So whenever we kind of open ourselves to receive, we will get it back. And we also have to kind of choose how we're going to use our time, right? So now that I have this other work to do, I have to eliminate distractions. I think Mars and Gemini is about how do you eliminate the other distractions that aren't going to be in service of the goal that you have. And we may have a number of distractions. Anytime Mars enters uh, you know, an area, I've said this in other forecasts, but it's kind of like a planet will give you the problem and the solution. We may be separated from our ability to make a choice, all right, uh, with Mars moving through this decan. We may feel paralyzed because we maybe have some some misfortune that comes to us because of a choice that we made or something like that. But we have to have our courage to be able to weigh all of our options, not get overwhelmed by all the different paths that we could take. And eventually we have to like say, okay, this is important to me. This isn't, and this has to go. Okay. So that's really, I think, part of the Mars story over the course of this lunation. Okay, we've got another comment saying it's really easy to follow and it sets the tone of my day and what I may expect. Oh, thank you very much, uh, DSE. That, that is very nice. I, I try to make the forecast uh, accessible, try to be a teacher as well. I, I, I love to give my sources. I love to not. Yes, I do use a lot of uh, lingo in my forecast. Some, some astrologers, some diviners uh, do not use technical language. 
I tend to want, give a forecast that I would want. I want the definitions. I love the definitions. But what I try to do in these forecasts is I'm never going to leave you with just, I'm not going to try to talk over people. If I have a, a complicated concept, I'm going to try to break it down and make it easily accessible. And that's what I'd like to do in my classes too, is make those difficult topics easily digestible, right? Like in good Virgo fashion. Okay. Now talking a little bit about this, this uh, new moon that we would be experiencing, and I will do another a live cast with that. Okay. Um, that will be on the 13th of March. And I, sometimes I may do the live cast a day or two before or something like that. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But if you sign up on my email list, I do announce it a few days earlier. If you follow me on Instagram, Twitter, I usually put it up on there as well. But if we go forward to the 13th and just see what else is going to be happening, um, just to get a little preview so we know where we're going. So here we see this in the third decan of Pisces. This Deccan was a Mars ruled Deccan. So we're still being hosted by Jupiter here. But um, in this face, in this 10 degree section, it's about sacrifice. And it's about what are you willing to sacrifice for? Some of the, the notes I wrote down with this, because I was meditating on this earlier today, it's what is your holy crusade, right? What are you willing to, to put your energy and sacrifice other things for? Because sometimes when we choose a path that, that really resonates with us, Okay, that means that we are simultaneously rejecting all that isn't us. So there is some separation that has to happen when we're fully committed to our path. So we have to say, what is your 100% yes? That's something I've been asking myself over this, you know, over, you know, Aquarius season, over Pisces season. What, what really makes me say, yes, that's it. Not what makes me say, eh. You know, that was what I felt with like Patreon and some of my other class ideas that I have. I was like, eh. But, but with like buy me a coffee, like I was like, yes, that's it. That's it. I, I want to be able to, you know, keep things accessible without paywalls, things like that. And it's very casual. That's kind of how I do my thing. Very casual, right? You know, you don't have to do it. Um, but how can you become all in, right? How can you become all into what you're doing and eliminate what doesn't serve you. So that will be what we're going to be experiencing. And, and we also have Neptune really close to this next new moon. So we have to really be careful that what we're sacrificing for isn't um, based on illusion. We have to be grounded. You know, we have to make sure that if we're making a sacrifice, uh, that we are doing it with um, a balanced outlook so that we're not setting ourselves up for failure that this Deccan also can be a, a place in the Zodiac that is great successes, but also great failures. This is associated with the 10 of cups card with, so we see this beautiful idealistic vision, but Austin Kopic in his book, 36 faces talks about, you know, great swings of emotion in this Deccan. Okay. So, so I want you to get really clear as to what you're trying to move towards um, in this between the full moon tomorrow and the new moon on the 13th. Get really clear that if you are going to commit to a path that you have, you're doing it with clarity, that it is your 100% yes, that you're not becoming a martyr to something that doesn't resonate with your true self. That's really important, okay? Um, okay, so that's kind of the preview for that. Venus will also be very close to that lunation. So, you know, if we just trust in the process and open ourselves up for the, for the good that wants to come to us, like Aphrodite glowing from her internal self, 
internal like phosphorescence will become adorned with the good things in life, but we have to be true to our integrity. That's the key. So now what I want to do is I want to show you this hexagram and I'm seeing some other nice comments in the chat box. Thank you for all that. Uh, super lucky kitty. Hello, super lucky kitty. She said, love your podcast. Been listening for a couple months. Bravo. Thank you so much. Super lucky kitty. Uh, maybe like those, uh, those lucky cats like this, maybe you're bringing us good luck today. <laughs> like, right. So that's fun. Thank you for being here today. Uh, and DSE says, my question lately is what is my intention in doing this? And I, that is a great question. One thing that I wanted to uh, to um, tell you about that is that you are in alignment with the zeitgeist. Hold on a second. This is the Virgo part of me is unhappy with these lines. <laughs> so um, actually, before I get to the hexagram, just just to to piggyback on what you were saying, DSE, uh, in the Thema Mundi. Okay, the natal chart of the world, we have cancer on the ascendant. And this was like a mythological chart that helped us find meaning with like the different houses and, and the, the signs. Pisces was on the ninth house, okay? Which would mean that Virgo would be its opposite on the third house. This was also the joy of the sun. And this is the joy of the moon. They called this house God and this one goddess. So when we are experiencing ninth house Piscean solar matters, and I know that I'm committing the cardinal sin of conflating houses with signs, but if you are going to do that, I think that using the Thema Mundi with, the, with cancer on the ascendant and taking in all the planetary joy symbolism, I think you'll get a much uh, richer and more um, true to essence experience than if you were to put Aries on the first house cusp and try to conflate planets and signs in that way. At least that's been my experience. Um, I could be wrong on that, but this has been something that I really does match up with the tarot as well. I, I have another talk, tarot and the Thema Mundi, that I gave for the Great Lakes Astrology Conference last year, and I'm actually going to post that pretty soon too, so <laughs> keep your eye out for that. Um, but this is connected the ninth house to the 10th house. It is falling away from this angle by primary motion, but it's looking back on the 10th house by secondary motion. And if you don't know about primary and secondary motion, go look at my, uh, look at my uh, webinar on the fixed stars and that'll explain it a little bit more, but primary motion is the, path, the clockwise path of the sun over time, uh, over, the, over the course of a day. And that was associated with a little bit more like the divine about like the eternal, that which is, is unchanging. And the, the path of the secondary motion is counterclockwise. And that's the path of the, of the planets that is a little bit more erratic. It was associated with the moon and chance, fortune. So we have spirit and fortune. And when we have the ninth house, remember we, we are in the first decan of Pisces, we have a figure that is going off into the wilderness and leaving material success behind. So if you're feeling confused about your purpose right now, you are not alone. This is a kind of a time period where it's okay to go off into your imagination and try to find meaning. Now, I talked about in my Venus video, uh, Venus and Pisces, right, that we 
uh, are in the labyrinth. Austin Coppock calls this first decan of Pisces the labyrinth. So we're trying, we, we may feel some confusion. We may feel some discontent about what we're doing out in the material world that causes us to go off on a spiritual pilgrimage. That's what ancient astrology, uh, ancient astrologers thought of the ninth house as a journey, not just a long distance journey that was based on physical distance. It was about meaning. Was the journey connected to finding meaning that was outside of your normal experience? Whereas they considered the third house, not, not short distance due to like physical distance, but these were the everyday actions that you took, the rituals that you performed in service of this higher meaning of the ninth house. So that's why we have the moon here. The goddess was, was associated with ritual. So we had the animating spirit, but we had the moon that was carrying out that, that spirit. This is what we see with these lunar cycles. We have the spirit of the sun the animating principle, and we're bringing it into form with the lunar cycles, the waxing and waning, the waxing and waning, the waxing and waning, the circular motion. So, man, that's so fascinating, isn't it? We're trying to balance out the animating solar principle and how we're going to ritualistically manifest it with this Virgo experience. So, yeah, DSE, when, when we're thinking about trying to find purpose right now, I think that my advice for you is be patient with the process. You know, the actions that you take that are in alignment with your integrity, that are in alignment with what feels right to you. Trust your intuition, right? Like in, in the movie, The Labyrinth, okay? In the movie, The Labyrinth, we see the young girl who is discontented with her life, with her journey to adulthood, with her adult responsibilities. And she wishes for that responsibility to be taken away from her. And the Goblin King, Mr. David Bowie, who if you want to hear my David Bowie impression, <laughs> go watch that video. I won't like, you know, <laughs> I won't do it today again, but, but uh, it was kind of funny. Um, and I was, you know, I love David Bowie. He's one of my favorite singers. So I think I've absorbed a lot of his music over time. Um, but David Bowie was like the Goblin King. He's saying, okay, you know, if you want to get this responsibility back, you want to, to get your innocence back almost on some level with that brother, that, that young baby brother, you have to go through this confusing labyrinth. It's kind of her journey to maturity, her journey to, to womanhood. And along the way, we can lose our way. You know, we're trying to maintain our integrity. She maybe had an integrity lapse on her journey, but she's trying to find it again, right? So I guess be patient with the process. Get in touch with your intuition. You know, shatter any illusions that you, you, you know, try to take on along the way. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. Again, we're trying to balance these two things out. Uh, DSC says, I love the explanation of Pisces and Virgo. I'm definitely struggling and trusting the process. Fear is real, but also is, so is surrender. Yes, it is really. This is the thing. And this is the, I love the word surrender. Pisces is about surrendering to the process. This is something that I have a lot of difficulty with having multiple planets ruled by Mercury. Mercury is not necessarily a surrenderer. Mercury is a questioner. So I have Jupiter in, in uh, Virgo. So the way that I, you know, have faith is I ask questions, <laughs> like, right? 
<laughs> to me, the surrendering process has always been difficult. And that's why we say Jupiter is in its exile in Virgo, because instead of, you know, embracing the unknown, we tend to like have doubt, have fear. Um, we, we're trying to always like, you know, find more information. Whereas really what we're trying to do is we need to, to let go. We need to say, okay, I'm let go on, letting go of the reins. I don't need to know anymore. I can just be comfortable in that, you know, cosmic pool, right? All right. Okay, so that's what's going on with that, that new moon on the 13th. I'm going to show you now the hexagram that I got with a little bit of integrative divination. Uh, and I got the hexagram number eight, which is called unity. So we have these broken and unbroken lines. And um, it's interesting when you get a, a hexagram, when you don't have any changing lines, this is just number eight. No changing lines with this one. This is a, a stable hexagram here for the most part, okay? And hexagram number eight has a number of different names and different translations. It, it, it's called Seeking Union in Hillary Barrett's translation. It's called Unity in another one, Holding Together. And we can ask ourselves these questions. Hillary Barrett says, where do you belong? <laughs> That's a good question. Where do we belong? Um, is this a good fit? Do you choose to join? So she talks about creating a new realm. Uh, in the translation, there was this great ruler called you the great. And through his toil, he was able to create uh, a new uh, system of organization for a society. And uh, they talk about in the translation that if you lag behind, though, you'll meet with misfortune. That's because in that great story, there was another gentleman named Fang, F-A-N-G, or Fang, who was late. And he, he was executed by you, the great, because he wasn't on time. So this may be about, you know, establishing some strong social connections, um, but avoid, to avoid us isolation, to avoid illusion. If we only get the feedback from our own inner uh, world, we may get lost in some vision that doesn't have any re real um, grounding in our our society anymore. This is when we go off and we lose ourselves in, in fantasy. Um, we've always got to have one foot on the ground, I think, is the key. But if we're also late to the party and if we miss some of our opportunities, um, then we, we aren't going to be able to enact the vision. There, there are certain times when it's just time to, to join up with folks or to, to take action on your dreams. Um, because, you know, there was this concept in, in Greek mythology of Kairos, Kairos roughly translated to opportunity. And Kairos had a little lock of hair on the front of his forehead. And uh, you could only grab Kairos from the front, okay? Even Zeus himself couldn't grab Kairos from behind, which means that you have to grab your opportunities when they are presented to you or they may, you may not get them again. And that doesn't mean that you have to worry about when the opportune moment is. It just means you have to be prepared because fortune favors the prepared. Even if your opportunity isn't here yet, you should prepare like it is, because then if you are prepared, when the opportunity is presented to you, you will be able to, to take action on it. So, you know, seeking union speaks about getting feedback. This is about integrating your moral and spiritual path together, sticking to your path, maybe in spite of the challenges. I think that one of the things we may experience at this full moon is that, you know, in every spiritual journey, 
there are points where we experience pushback, where we experience some challenges. And that's just part of the journey. That's part of the lesson. That's part of what we're learning. So if you're, you know, getting a little bit of like a roadblock or you're getting some frustration points, that's okay. That means that you're actually doing stuff, you know, like when I was thinking about what, you know, you know, support model I wanted to do, I, I had a lot of sleepless nights about it because I was like, what, what part of this is in, in alignment with my integrity? And, you know, that's just part of the road. And eventually the right thing will come along and you say, yes, that's my 100% yes. But it doesn't always happen right away. And sometimes coming in contact with what we, with what doesn't resonate with us will help us to appreciate what does. And I think that was the real gift of, of Aquarius season was we got presented with all the things that we are rejecting. Saturn says, nope, this isn't it. You know, so through Capricorn and, and Aquarius season, we say, nope, that's not me. This isn't me. Nope, 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 nope. So that when Pisces season comes along, we're like, okay, where is my yes? Where do I bring things back together again? So that eventually at the return of spring, the return of the light, Aries season, you will be able to take action, Mars, right? Mars type action that will help to di differentiate your individual soul into an individual point of consciousness away from the whole. We have to enter the whole so that we can eventually break away from it. And then eventually we bring that consciousness back together in unity through Taurus and the Venus union of spirit with the body. Okay. But we'll go through another thing of rejecting that, which we are not when we go through Aries season. Okay. So how are we doing? Any questions? I think that's what I've got for our time today. Any questions before we wrap for the day? Uh, DSC says, that absolutely makes sense. Been struggling to find that new tribe. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it can take some time to find our place within things. That doesn't mean we should give up though, right? Just keep experimenting. I think that's the key. If one thing doesn't work out, try another thing. That, remember the stick insect told, told, us to, uh, told me to, to, to scatter your eggs in many different directions. Um, because, uh, you know, one thing may not, you may not resonate with it, but then you may, when you do find what you do resonate with, then you can give birth to something very beautiful. All right. Well, that's what I've got for you all today. Again, if you have another question in a few minutes here, feel free to throw it up in the chat box here. Uh, you know, in the spirit of the day, if you are enjoying what you're experiencing here today, why not buy me a smoothie, buy me a coffee? There's a link in the description below. That's a great way to exchange energy. No pressure, though. It's optional. That's just the way I like it. You, you're able to get the material regardless of whether you can afford to contribute today or not. Just your presence here is, is uh, contributing. Make sure you hit that like button. If you're not subscribed to the channel, subscribe to the channel. Turn on the notification bell so you know when we're going live or you know when we're, a new video is posted. Share it with your friends. That, that is a way that you can give back to this energy that, that I have given today uh, just by spreading the word and helping it to catch fire, right? That, that is a, a great way to, to, uh, to give back as well. So I think that's what I've got for you today. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, if you are listening to this after the fact, leave me a comment on the video and uh, sign up for that newsletter so you know when new stuff is coming out. Keep your eyes peeled for a new class. Let me know if that sounds good to you. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a nine to 10 week class. 
or I'm thinking about meeting on Saturdays around maybe the middle of the day, noon or so. Let me know if that works for you. Uh, I'm trying to make it accessible for the most amount of people possible. Um, I'll probably maybe even have some kind of tiered uh, tuition so that if you're struggling right now, uh, it make it more accessible to you. But if you have, you know, if you're doing okay, it, you'll be helping to, to buy that knowledge for, for other people. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Taria. Thank you, Cassidy. Uh, hello, Jason. Bummed that you joined late. We'll rewatch and catch the I Ching tie-in. Thank you, Jason, for being here. Just your presence is great. Um, and uh, I will see all of you the next time. All right. Be kind to one another, especially be kind to yourself. It's a process. And uh, I will see you the next time, folks. Take it easy.